0: My name is Chris Ullman, I serve as the Executive Pastor here, uh, but way more important than my role here is I'm a husband, I'm a father of four, and a grandfather. My name is Poppy, for three, and uh, Don and Olivia uh, give you their best. They're actually in New Brunswick right now heading to Nova Scotia. They are spending time with two of our three grandchildren and loving every minute of it. I wish I was there. But my heart is with them and my mind is with you. And I hope we can use this morning and this time for the glory of God. And so let me take you on a bit of a journey that we've been through. So on the screen, I want to start in God's Word. Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17, God's Word says, and I'm put up here the ESV version of the Bible, the English Standard Version and it says, All Scripture is inspired by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, and for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Why do I start there? My words mean nothing. God's word means everything and one of the things that we learned as parents, and our oldest is now 29 and our youngest is 11, is as our children grew, the title of my talk to you today is there's no such thing as neutral education. Every education system, including what we teach here at this church, has an agenda and it's either the way of the fool, as Proverbs says, or the way of wisdom. And so the question isn't whether homeschooling is the right solution or public school is the right solution or private school is the right solution. But what does God's word say in every situation? And what is our responsibility as parents and grandparents for training in the way of righteousness? And so that's the hope of my talk. There's no such thing as neutral education. I don't have a neutral position. I don't pretend to have a neutral position. I have a bias, which is God's word. Hence why I started with it. And so let's journey together. Our oldest three children went to the London Christian Academy until grade eight when they graduated. So for those that know, LCA, London Christian Academy, if you've ever lived in London, we lived there for 11 years. And uh, my slides, I'll let you know, Tom, when we need to go. Don't you worry. Um, And here's the journey that we went on. So we had moved three times in one year. We owned three homes in one year. We lived in Vancouver, we lived in Toronto, in Oakville, and in London, Ontario. And actually we lived in four homes and my wife was really patient with me. So my career had been taking off in the financial world and we were moving and she was patient and she was kind. We moved to London, Ontario and our oldest was now going into grade two. And we had the ability to do it financially, which was a blessing. And we decided to invest into our children to send them into the London Christian Academy. And all of our children, at this point we had three, uh, we sent in one by one into LCA. But there was a problem and the problem was this. It only went to grade eight. So by the time they hit grade eight we now had to wrestle with what do we do? Where do we send them? We didn't want to necessarily send them into the public system because we knew that in that particular case that there was no such thing as a neutral agenda and we were concerned for our children. So we sent our oldest son into a Christian reformed high school. He struggled there and then we went to the public system. That journey that we went through broke our hearts because it was like a little cocoon. We had held them in here and we thought, now they're getting led into a different system with a different agenda. And as parents, we didn't feel we had a lot of options. Our oldest son struggled for a few years in high schools. I remember vividly the first parent-teacher day that I ever attended, and in fact, it was the last one, based on what I was told in this session. And one of the things that broke my heart was meeting with one of his teachers and learning what was being taught in the system. It wasn't neutral. One day he came home and he said, yeah, I'm being taught about this and such and such, how many genders and how many things. I said, wow, let's look to God's word, son. What does it say? How does it train us? What does God's word instruct us? And so we walked this journey and we felt very burdened after a few years of high school to consider a different option. There wasn't a private option or we would have taken it. So we decided to start the journey of homeschooling Now, my wife, who's infinitely brighter than I am, said to me about a year before I caught up to this, we should consider homeschooling. And my response was really clear. Oh, you gotta be kidding me. No, why would we send her? Why would we do that? They're not going to be socially adjusted, and and they're going to have trouble going into university. And uh, boy, was I wrong. And about a year later, I caught up to what she had been telling me all the way along. She was very patient and very kind and very gentle, and she just kept putting little bits in front of me and said, "Hey, what about this option? What about this option?" And so we started the journey. When our oldest. Son was almost through high school. Our next were coming into high school. They're three years younger and three years younger. So six years from top to bottom if you will. And, uh, and so we started homeschooling. Now when I say we, I really mean she. Because my agenda of my work took me all over uh, this country and somewhat over North America. And At one point I was traveling about a hundred nights a year every year. And so my wife was really all in to this. So this was not a light and momentary affliction. This was a journey that she was deciding to invest into our children. And so roughly 10 years ago now, I guess, uh, or maybe 11, she started the homeschooling journey. Was it easy? No. Did we learn a lot? Absolutely. Did she learn more than I did? Absolutely. Uh, But one of the things that we've been watching over the years is what I was concerned about 12 years ago is worse today. And one of the things that burdens our hearts today is where the agendas are going. Now, that's not to say, let me be really clear what I'm not saying. It's not to say if you send your grandchildren to a public school that it's wrong. Let me be clear on this. It's not to say that parents who landed that decision is wrong, because it's not. But you have to understand there's not a neutral agenda out there. What's being taught to our children and grandchildren, and maybe great-grandchildren, depending how old we are here, is not from a neutral position. When I went to public school, Tecumseh Public School, not too far from here, do you ever remember the days of singing the Lord's Prayer, or saying the Lord's Prayer and singing the National Anthem? Maybe you can nod with me. All right. When's the last time you've heard the Lord's Prayer said in a school? So what's happened in the last number of years is there has been a transition from a Christian worldview that's impacted education to a neutral worldview that is coming through the education. Do you see that? And so now what's happening is you have a premise which I think is really problematic, and that's this. If you take God out of education, We can inform our kids from a neutral position, and let them make a decision. I'm here to tell you, I disagree with that. Why? Because when you take the creator out of the equation and you study the created and the universe, you actually miss the founding piece. Everything you look at is just simply evidential stuff, how we act, how we interact. If you think about biology, if you think about mathematics, without a creator, It's just logical equations, but it doesn't make sense. It's not even fulfilling, because you're always left wondering why. You just know the how and the what. But the why of the creator needs to be, in my opinion, embedded in the education process. So, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that if you have children, grandchildren in the public system, that you run from this message and say, we got to pull them out, that's not it. But I think the primary responsibility, and here's where I want to take us this morning, in God's Word, there's a thing called the Shema, do you know what that is? So in Deuteronomy 6, when I studied Hebrew, and I was not the best Hebrew student at first, they made us memorize, in Hebrew, the Shema. So I'm going to get you to go forward one slide, right there. So. This is a. am going to press pause I'm going to tell you a personal story here because I want to get your minds and your hearts stirred for a tiny second here. So what this is, this is an actual picture of the Indiana caverns. And if you've ever been, anybody in this room or online, if you've ever been underground in a cave, now this is the boat, we were on one just like this with four of our family members, and we were going through the journey of the underground caverns. It was lit up and then all of a sudden the tour guide said, can you please turn all your phones, all your cameras off? And then the lights went dark. And I'm going to tell you, I thought I knew darkness until I was in this particular cavern. And then the tour guide said, do me a favor, take your hand and put it within a couple inches of your face and start to move your fingers. I couldn't even see that. It went from dark to total darkness. I felt disoriented and then, if you go forward one slide, the lights went on. Now how it actually started wasn't this picture, but it started with him in a little pen light and he put it on and it illuminated the darkness and instantly I had orientation and instantly we could realize where we were. I don't know if you've ever been in total darkness, but it's not a great feeling. The education system is meant to illuminate the minds and impact the hearts. Do you get that? It's not just one. Education has a a duality in its original. If you go forward one slide, you're going to see the Shema. So the Shema is in Deuteronomy 6, and let me read it to you. This is what God's word says. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these are the words that I've command you today shall be on your heart. You shall, here it is, teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way. And when you lie down. And when you rise. It continues on to say, not only that, but you should be putting them on your doorposts. So that when you leave the house and when you enter the house, you pray these prayers. What in the world is happening here? Do you remember the scene when Moses led the Israelites out of bondage, took them through the water, took them through into the wilderness. God provided for them for how many years? 40 years. Manna in the wilderness. And as they were entering the promised land, Moses instructs them again Bind these instructions on your hearts. Tell your children and your grandchildren of the way of the Lord so that they may prosper in the land that he has promised to take you to. That's what God's word instructs us. All of scripture is God-breathed, profitable for teaching, for training, for righteousness. When you take God out of a system, you dissolve the system. So, here's my point. Whose responsibility is it to train your children, your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren in the way of the Lord? It's not the teacher. It's you and me. As parents and as grandparents and as great grandparents, our responsibility, it doesn't say in verse seven, take them to a great church and let them teach them in the way of the Lord. No, 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 no. It's a personal pronoun. It says you shall teach them diligently. That's not passive. That's an active statement. And what that means is it's our responsibility. It's my responsibility in my home. So last night, Olivia, it's about 11.30 their time, 10.30 our time and she's sitting there, we're FaceTiming, and she says, it's time for family worship, Daddy. So we're reading God's word. Friends, it's a privilege to teach God's word. So do it. Don't be ashamed. We have the words of truth. That's what instructs our children and grandchildren. And so, children, And Christian parents must recover. This is kind of near the end. Christian parents and grandparents must recover their biblical responsibility to teach their children instead of relinquishing it to the government and the public sector. Do you agree with that statement? If we agree with it, then we must do it. What that means is we don't sit here and nod on a monthly meeting. It means we transform our hearts and our minds to be active in the pursuit of this. There's nothing more important with your remaining days and mine than to train our families in the way of righteousness, to teach them diligently. What else could be more important? Moses, when he was pointing them into the promised land, said, do this so that it may go well. If we don't do this, it will not go well. Do you agree? So let's go forward one slide. So we're going to leave it there to the finish line. In our home, we've learned a number of years ago that the primary responsibility was not the London Christian Academy. That's what I thought, by the way. It wasn't Pastor Norm Miller, who was our senior pastor in London. It was Don, actually it was Chris and Don Ullman to our children. We had outsourced some of that responsibility thinking that it was the church's responsibility, the youth group leader, the insert whatever you want. Maybe the teacher at the London Christian Academy because we're paying for this. But what I've learned in my heart and in my mind is this little quote up here. Look at it from Spurgeon. I'm going to read it to you. I, no, go back one. You had it. There we go. I would have children taught all the great doctrines of truth without a solitary exception. What does that mean in English? It means we teach the full counsel of God's word from Genesis to Revelation. We read it with them, we pray it with them. When I'm praying to you, my words don't mean anything. I wanna pray back God's word to God. So modeling that for our children and grandchildren, please don't walk out of this room thinking that the public system's responsibility is to train them in the way of righteousness. In fact, don't even think it's the private systems and don't think it's the Christian school systems it's our responsibility, all of us. And so we have to take ownership. I have to in my home and with our grandchildren, we are delicately letting the parents lead, but also making sure we pray for them diligently, that we talk to them about God's word. What encourages our hearts and our minds is not how we feel. It's what God's word says. And so let me finish with this. We have Three grandchildren that range in ages from two months of age to almost four years of age. And here is what our aim is. This is what Don and I pray about for our grandchildren. So whether we are at home or away, we will make it our aim to please the Lord. That's 2 Corinthians 5.9. So whether we eat or drink, and here's the key, do all for the glory of God. There's never been a greater degree of urgency in your life and mine. Maybe the school system you think has never been worse. I'm going to tell you, Christianity has always had opposition. Ever since Christ, has it not? The time of persecution is not abnormal. It's normal. We have just lived through a time when it was permissible to have things like the Lord's Prayer said publicly in things such as schools. But don't anticipate it. Don't think that's normal. That's abnormal. In 2,000 years, what's normal is persecution against Christianity. And so, why do we take ownership? Because God's word tells us to take ownership. Bind it on our door. Bind it on our hearts. Put it between the frontlets of the eyes. And teach it diligently. So, are you looking to buy your grandchildren a gift for this Christmas? Let me give you a recommendation. What did we do? So, the start of this year... Olivia, who's our youngest, is homeschooled, and she has a curriculum, which if you're ever interested, we'd be happy to talk to you about and recommend. We've been through two or three curriculums. But the curriculum was a little weak in theology, in God's Word. It was good, but it was a little weak in this. And so what we have added to the curriculum is a thing called Little Pilgrim's Theology. If you don't have it, please put this up when we broadcast this, littlepilgrimstheology.com. For $60 a year, my daughter, who's this tall now, I guess, is learning the truth of God's Word, and she is flourishing. She's coming home at littlepilgrimstheology.com, and she is learning the doctrinal truths every day, every day, and we're coming alongside her. They have crafts. Let me read to you this. This is directly from their website. It's an educational source for learners of all ages who seek to grow in understanding the Christian faith. Videos, quizzes, and printable resources making learning theology fun and memorable. Let me tell you, as a dad, $60? Just do it. It's out of Texas. We found it. We knew somebody that trusted it. We've tried it, and we went, wow. You want to bless your families? Not only purchase it for them, but come alongside them and do it with them. Spend time in the activity sheets talking of God's Word and training them in the way of righteousness diligently. Let's pray. Father, our hearts can be burdened by what we see in the world around us, but may we take comfort that you have overcome the world. Our hope is found in nothing less than in Jesus Christ, And in his righteousness, we hold our minds and our hearts in realizing, God, that we too were were once lost but are found. For those that are in Christ, you chose us, you selected us, you transformed our hearts from stone to, to flesh. And our job is to train our children in the way of righteousness. Help us to be diligent in that, joyful in that and intentional in that, we pray, with the days you give us. Amen.
1: Uh, Hi, everyone. I'm Maddie. Uh, I'm 22 years old. I was homeschooled uh, from out of the womb up until grade 12 uh, by my mom here and those in our village uh, throughout all the years.
2: Uh, I'm Cheryl, um, so I think most importantly is to know that uh, I'm a follower of Christ. Uh, I'm a, His servant, first and foremost. I'm a wife, uh, next, a mom to four, and a mother-in-law to two and a half. I'm hoping she gets engaged, I'm trusting, um, and a Nana to ten. I, gradua- I did not graduate from high school, um, um, but after homeschooling, I decided to apply to do a, a to go to seminary as a mature student, and I got a postgrad uh, certification in what's called biblical care and counseling, and I now facilitate at Hope Bible Church a program called Practical Theology. So you can teach an old dog new tricks. Um, Our homeschooling journey sort of started odd because we have what we call Team A and Team B. Team A went to public school uh, for the first six or seven years and it wasn't working. uh, Particularly my son who had some learning challenges couldn't, um, his needs weren't being met and there was bullying, all that stuff. So we decided we'd go to the Christian uh, school system, which was mainly Christian reform at the time. And that uh, was adequate at best. Between Team A and Team B, they're 12 and a half years. So as Team B aged, we thought, um, maybe we'll homeschool them for one year. And then the next year, we're like, maybe again and then maybe again. And before we knew it, they went from homeschooling to, to... Maddie went to Bible College and Adriana went to UFT. So it just sort of happened, mainly because we enjoyed the freedoms that homeschool gave us. Um, we had total control over what they are being indoctrinated with. Like it, um, Pastor Chris said, there is always an agenda. There is always an agenda, um, and we certainly were not facing what parents are facing today. Um, there was uh, in a developing community of homeschoolers then. That, um, some of the ground was already forged for us. There was, There's was annual conventions already happening. There's support groups and co-ops and uh, an active uh, community. It is divided, secular and Christian. They don't mix very well, but they, they do sometimes mix. Uh, the cities uh, have programs that happen during the day, sports programs and things like that. So there is always opportunities for um, that socialization, like people are expecting the uh, homeschoolers often to be awkward and weird or whatever like that, Um, but we found actually just the opposite. As the girls got older, they were not with, you know, like eight-year-olds that were with strictly eight-year-olds. They were family style, so when we went to the park and they set up a soccer game, every age was there, right? And um, they would go to... um, things like So on Fire and that, to volunteer with all different ages. So they were never sort of, they were able to talk to anybody at any point in time. Constantly, we were um, complimented on their manners, on the way they spoke, how they could articulate themselves. So we that myth sort of fell away. Um, the uh, other concern is I never graduated, actually, I dropped out one semester short of grade 12. and um, But the parents' qualifications are not really important. To be honest, we don't even know what the teachers do because you don't need a, ter- a teacher certification even to teach in college or university, right? You need to know what you're teaching. Um, but the point is, is that you can pick up curriculums that literally narrate what you're supposed to say and do. As a matter of fact, the very first curriculum we used was a, a great program called Teach a Child to Read and 100 Easy Lessons, and it, it scripts what you're supposed to say. Um, so there was like, like, there's just so many rich resources out there, uh, all their literature and that stuff was done through a Christian perspective, science through a Christian perspective. I got the privilege also to even hear them uh, apply it in their everyday conversations like one of my um, brothers would, said to my daughter once, uh, how do you know there's a god? And she said, you know, see the bird in the air? Do you know that its bones are hollow? And she went into to explain like the dynamics of how a bird can fly. And she says, I see a great creator, right? So she, that was from her science program. I can promise you that is not happening in the public school system. And I'm sad to say, it's barely, if at all, happening in the Christian school system anymore. Uh, And then we think, well, what about the rural area? I have four grandchildren in the public school system. And last June, I got the opportunity to see my oldest grandson graduate from grade eight. He's in high school now. In his little tiny class, there were two boys dressed as girls at their grade A graduation with girl names and girl pronouns and everything like that. Um, I personally started taking some courses with uh, Mohawk this year and I had to drop out because of this woke society of how many genders there are. Like I just couldn't like, go against God's word like that. So, um, I'm not going to really go into the reasons why because I think Pastor Chris painted a pretty good picture. Um, and Maddie's has a better understanding of all the details of what's happening in elementary s- schools right now because she um, is a C- Hope Kids Coordinator Classroom and Volunteer Coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really long title. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna to try to answer some of the questions that I think you would have. Um, the cost um, can vary from almost nothing to thousands of dollars, right? You could buy microscopes and fancy kits and you know anybody's willing to do something for you. I have found that homeschooling moms are very creative in, um, uh, they have an entrepreneur, <laughs> Ship kind of thing too. Like they'll come up with something. They'll sell it to you or whatever. We buy curriculum used. We find it used on, on um, free online. Uh, there is like it's a, uh, even the um, school systems use some of the same stuff as we use online. There's a website called Khan Academy that uh, is very popular and it, you know, does all the grading and everything, it's free and it started as just math and now it goes the whole gamut and all of the grades, even uh, covering some university stuff. Um, And then that sort of brings us to the academics. What, um, of course, like us, we have different, our children have different gifts and talents and abilities and challenges. So, the thing about sitting beside your child every day is you know exactly what their strengths and weaknesses are. And you can pace and challenge and, and swap out and with, for them. Like, you can tailor it really to, to what they need and uh, what they don't need. So, my um, literature program that I chose, it was called Learning Language Arts Through Literature was color-coded, I, and so I picked the colors that suited my children at the time. I had only two, they're 17 months apart, and I took that to my advantage a lot. So, um, I give, say, Maddie the red book, Adriana the yellow book, and then they would move up to the next color. It was like five or six years before the oldest one said, hey! I'm supposed to be in grade six, and this book is grade eight <laughs> because on the back in fine print, right? But I just kept moving her along as her ability. I called her always my border coley. Like if she got bored, she was destructive, and I just kept her busy, right? Um, the other uh, thing I have to say is we focused a lot on scripture and on character development. So there were days where it wasn't appropriate to look at my child and say, we're sitting at this kitchen table and we're getting this work done. It was better for us to be outside and maybe be digging up worms or something else because I, I'm there to, to show them the love of Christ, to show them the grace and the mercy that the Lord has had on us you didn't like that. And they can't do that um, with a hammer over them, right? I want to build character in them. I want to model for them, right? And that was what I would exhort you to, as grandparents and great-grandparents to do. Let them see you seek the Lord hard and boldly, that they see you're memorizing scripture, you're going to Bible study, you're, do- you're seeking the Lord. No matter where you are, on your spiritual journey, we never arrive. So we should always be um, taking classes and being in fellowship with others. We should be bringing up, um, you know, like Chris gave a great example. His son came home saying they taught there's multiple genders. And he didn't say, well, I think. He said, what does the Lord say? This is our ultimate authority, right? Num- our number one commandment is to put the Lord first, right? So He has to be first in our morning, in our evening, and in our in-betweens, in our pocketbooks uh, and everything that we do. So if our children and our grandchildren see this, they can emulate it, right? There's, I have lots of opportunities. Uh, my grandchildren that are being homeschooled live like six minutes away and I do take advantage of uh, that. I'm still working a little bit, but I will go over and I will sit down with a six-year-old and practice printing or whatever's going on. Um, I never had to homeschool six kids. Uh, I could just imagine it's a lot to juggle and there are curriculum. She has a curriculum that does all of the grades at once, so she does a reading And then um, the kids have workbooks, and their response to the reading um, is at their level. Uh, And all of it is Christian-based, so they'd have scripture worked into that and all of that. There's also other programs. I don't know if you have uh, Awanas here. That was a big part of uh, our lives when they were little. (laughs) Um, And uh, they took violin lessons with Suzuki for, I don't know, 13 years and then went on to piano and vocal and, and uh, like these are things that are always available. So the uh, academics challenges are addressed by the parent knowing where their child's at. There's also a- advantages of that it's generational. So you have a skill knitting, woodworking, whatever it may be, to share with your grandchild. And so we would set time um, for the kids to like, go to their grandmother and learn some sewing skills on. I think they made an apron once. Um, I had a neighbor that was into quilting. She tried to teach my daughter when she was like four how to quilt. <laughs> that was just a bad idea, but she was just super supportive. Um, and then I would watch, as a grandparent, what you say to a homeschooling mom because we were actually in Italy, and my, grandda- my daughter looks up at one of the signs in one of the uh, old churches, and she-, she reads it. It's in Latin. And my mother-in-law turns to me, and she's like, Cheryl, look at how smart she is. When are you going to get her in school? <laughs> I was like... Yeah, I think that she got that from homeschooling. <laughs> where my father was like, whatever you want, like, can I get you anything? Can I do you anything? I have a girlfriend that every year her parents bought all their curriculum, just said, you know, here's a budget for you, which was very large, Um, and her five children were homeschooled with all the frills because uh, the grandparents had the money to, to help support that, so They could uh, get curriculum from wherever, and they could buy all the toys. Really though, I think on average, I probably spent maybe 200 bucks a year. Um, There's also the... So there's the academics and the social. There's also the life skills of cooking and cleaning and doing laundry and that stuff. Um, Maddie could probably tell you one of her surprises when she I kicked her out to go to Bibles College. It was just like half an hour from our place, but I'm like, honey, go live in dorm. I love you, but I've spent a lot of time these last 13 years, and I think there's something to be said of you safely learning to cohabitate uh, in a Christian school, a Christian college. And she came home, and she's like, mom, if you can't make it boiling water, they don't know how to do it. Where when she was about 10... I got very ill, and for like five weeks, I could do nothing but lay on a couch, like literally nothing. And so, so the kids had to put the meals in the crock pot, they had to do the laundry, they had to look after the house, and if you walked into the house, you would not have known that it was any different, that I wasn't doing anything. That is actually when my husband became more on board. He was like, wow, I didn't know they could do all of this. They could meal plan, they could just you know, put a pot roast in the crock pot, And dinner was just as normal as it was when I was doing it. They actually used to play um, that cooking shows competition. Iron Chef, yeah. Um, And I think mental health. We had times of great tragedy in our family, and I didn't have to pull my kids out of school to grieve and to recoup or whatever. We did it together, family-style, like we had always done with the, the, you know, the word of the Lord as a lamp to our feet, but um, we could pause school. And, you know, if it, we actually generally homeschooled all year round. We took a week off here or there, a couple of days here or there. It was not a rigid, you know... Um, the first couple of years, we would finish in, like, May because we just had, you know, that's... We, time allowed it. And then if we waited till September, Adriana would be so upset because she'd have to sort of catch up and learn, refresh. She's like, why do you, you wait months? So we stopped doing that. So their mental health and their ability to learn how to suffer well, I think came from the, being at my apron all the time. Um, you're muted. Could you unmute my daughter, please?
1: Thank you. Um, I just want to add on to that. When being the product of that, being allowed the space to suffer well and watch how my parents suffered greatly impacted my ability to imitate their walk with the Lord. Can I please, thank you. (laughs) Um, Like my mother, uh, her dad passed away really, really suddenly and she had to fly to Florida to go take care of him. My dad wouldn't have known what school routine to do or drop us off out of school, and my siblings would have had to come stay with us. But because we had been taught these life skills beforehand, we knew, okay, here's our routine. First we wake up, we read our Bibles, we get breakfast, and then we start our school. Like, everything was laid out in a way where we were seen as competent. We were seen as capable, and that allowed us to rise to the occasion, which I think is a beautiful gift, because a lot of, (laughs) like, going back to even when I started school, it's like, these kids don't know how to cook. I had to teach everyone how to do laundry one day, how to properly clean our sinks and our bathtubs, and those are life skills you get from watching watching your primary caregiver whether it be the mom that stays home to home i'm just gonna hold this um yeah all that to say a lot of what i learned was through watching and observing my mom and how she did life and if we would not have been homeschooled when those sufferings came we would have fallen so far behind in a regular school system because our circumstances just didn't allow us to do school we needed to grieve we needed to suffer we needed to take a step back but the advantage of doing the school kind of all year round was it allowed us that space in that time to do that and everyone homeschools to their family's capacity like it might not be all year round you might do from September to June or whatever works but that's the beauty of it is it's tailored to each child's need And yeah, being a child who had a lot of needs, (laughs) um, (laughs) it was very helpful because I would have been labeled at a very young age as not capable, not competent, not good enough, but I don't know, I graduated, I got into school, no problem, I'm working in ministry, and I was able to get my big girl job, no problem, and I'm still socially okay.
2: (laughs) When she got the job, I was the one that said, I'm like, that's a a really big job. There's like, how many volunteers?
1: Yeah, so I oversee a team of 375 people. And she was like, no, I think that's too much. I was like, oh, well, I'll just step in faith and see what the Lord does. And he did open that door, which is great. But to bring us back to the original point is also the beauty of homeschooling is, yeah, being able to imitate what you see and being able to acknowledge when suffering is, I mean, I didn't think this as a seven-year-old, but I saw suffering done well, and then that was able to be embedded into my life in a way that I don't think Sunday school would have been able to teach me, or a youth group would have been able to teach me, or a public school system would have been able to teach me.
2: Sorry. Thanks, Matt. Um, so uh, as parents, as grandparents, great-grandparents, you might be thinking, what if I don't know my Bible well? Because I'd have to say that homeschooling without scripture is just useless. You're not equipping them for anything. We Eternity is forever. This life is a vapor, and I, I work with seniors. I know that you're very well aware of how fast 80 and 90 comes, um, and we are living for eternity. So we want to put this into the fiber of who they are. Um, So uh, again, I exhort um, them to see you learning and seeking and uh, praying with them, not just bedtime prayers, not just mealtime prayers, but skin the knees. He hit me. Um, I want to hit him um, kind of. Prayers and uh, teaching them how to go to the Bible when uh, problems come. Uh... well you find
1: yourself, I just want to add something. You were saying how um, things not to say to a mother who's homeschooling, but instantly what came to mind is what not to say to the grandchild that's being homeschooled. Because <laughs> one, we see how The grandparents' response to our parents. And often when there isn't support, you're going to feel that turmoil. But as a child, I remember anytime the grandparents would come over, so when are you going to start school? How do you feel about being homeschooled? Don't you miss having friends? Do you have friends? Which are very (laughs) valid questions, but as a grandparent, you should be involved enough in your child's grandchild's life to see oh you are socially capable you're keeping eye contact with me you're having this conversation you're not goofing off like I had friends I wasn't wasn't socially shunned from anyone if anything we had an abundance of them in our life Um, so as a grandparent I would just encourage you to be so supportive even if in some moments you're like oh I don't feel it because I don't think that's the right decision to make right now Um, still say you support their education and ask them about it, ask specific questions of what they're learning, not just like, oh, how's homeschool going? Because that never felt good. We, children are smart, we're emotionally aware, we can read when someone's asking it out of obligation and they're, you can tell when the opinions are there, but they're just holding it back to do the right grandparent thing. Um, so I'd encourage you to speak to your grandchildren and respect their education because they are learning um, when homeschooling is done well. So just, yeah, affirm with your words because I, especially being someone who loves words of affirmation, my grandparents would say something and be like, how school? Oh, that's really interesting. Like, describe that to me and being able to go on about that was, yeah, it was very much a gift. And, yeah, be encouraging with your word support or ask, oh, what's a, what was a rose and a thorn of this week with school? What was something good? What was the challenge? And you're like, oh, let's talk through that challenge. Like, support in practical ways goes, so much farther than I think a lot of people would speculate or assume because we might on the outside be like, oh yeah, it was hard, it was this, but the emotions that it's producing, I said like, oh, they care enough to ask how this is going and to integrate themselves into my life is really sweet and very special. Anyways, sorry, continue.
2: No, you're good. Um, it, I, I don't know what it was that you were saying, but I was remembering I had a girlfriend, uh, Nicola, and uh, so We were at a park or something and we used to... <laughs> homeschoolers used to like stay home during the day because if you went out, you'd have to explain yourself, right? <laughs> but we decided that we'd be out. And there's other people at the park and they say something like, aren't you worried about their social skills? And she answered, well, I take them into the bathroom, beat them up and take their lunch money once a week and they're fine. <laughs> 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 just, you know, like we we just... It's not the school you went to, right? It's not. And the um, they are indoctrinating them for um, the devil's work, to be honest. Um, and I would have said the same thing. As soon as the Lord's Prayer came out of the schools, it went downhill from there. Our church uh, intentionally has been... Uh, we had a prayer meeting last night of probably four or five hundred people and praying over the children, uh, and just a fresh uh, spirit over the church in general—a revival of our souls. Um, have a, a, a okay. I try to. What questions do you have? Do you have questions? Dang, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I. do up in here? okay. So we have grandchildren that attend a public school, um, not going up in a
1: Christian home, mm-hmm. but our boys get
2: a Christian school. Um so how do you sort of affirm with grandchildren who are not attending right. Christian school? So they're in public school yeah. and their parents are not walking with the Lord. Yeah. Um, you know without making you know, schools a horrible they have to go. They have mm-hmm. to feel safe there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Mhm. I think that's a fantastic question. Mm-hmm. So, uh, there's a few things I would have um be very selective of what kind of books you buy them for Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You have your own agenda. You're fighting for their souls, right? So, of course, we're all on our knees for our, for our loved ones. Um, and uh, I don't know uh, what ages they're at, right? But there are, there are the academic things you can support them with. Um, I would um, encourage you to have, if they live close, to have a day or two that you go over in the evenings or say, I'll have them every Saturday or every other Saturday or I'll have them for the weekend, whatever it is, be um, a constant in their life. My um, grandchildren that live closest to me, um, it is not unusual for at least one of them to sleep over at our house um, one night a week, any day of the week pretty much (laughs) too. It's not just a weekend thing.
1: Has Perk there, they can bring their homework over to your house.
2: They can, or they could just skip homework and (laughs) Nana will come up with something else like how to clean a pantry or (laughs) put them to work. Um, uh, There's uh, like, do life with them, be very intentional, and you can say, this is our belief and this is why we believe it and let them, you know, open cut an apple open, like in the side, and show them the star, the apple, and, and say, tell me what you think about this. What do you see? Get them to come to, like, don't, we don't have to preach, okay. but teach, right? So where's the seed come from? And what does that seed produce? Mm-hmm. Let them see it, right? You can, there's thing, books that you can buy. Um, also, even to do devotionals with them, phone them every day. My grandchildren that are over an hour away, uh, I would phone, FaceTime with them. Um, so, uh, I have a little funny grandchild story. Is my son who has turned away from the Lord. He has four children and um, I take them for about a week in the summer. This summer, I had my 14-year-old for three separate one-week visits on his accord. But anyways, I digress. So a couple of summers ago, I had shared my testimony with them and said, which is, I came to Christ on a bet, and my end of the bet was that I asked the Lord to reveal himself to me for 30 days. And at the end of the 30 days, the person that I bet would admit there's no God. Well, needless to say, I won the bet by losing the bet, right? Um, And so I shared this and my seven-year-old granddaughter says, well, I could do that. And we suppose that she did it because we go there. I went to visit and she has her own iPad and she has... There's a, you know, uh, the version Bible app, which I'm sure anybody with a smartphone or iPad has on it. there's a children's version to it and it's a little game that you do a, uh, the Bible story and answer little questions and it reads the story and you sort of hop from island to island or something. And she had done the whole Old Testament on her own, right? And she doesn't go to church, there's no Bible being read, there's no, the references to God are not holy, right? Um, and then, that so that was two years ago, so now she's like nine And the summer. My son calls me and he's like, what can we do um, with Brooklyn? Because we sent her to a VBS. Like her, their town is so small. Their VBS is at night from seven to nine for one week. <laughs> like, it's small. And so she came, I guess, at the end, made a binder and, and had them, her family on the couch and was teaching them which she had learned at VBS and um, I said, I really want to support that. So being the Nana that I am, I jumped on board and I said, well, um, the other grandkids are going to sleepover camp. She could do that and he says, oh, I don't have the funds for that. I'm like, well, how about I split it with you 50-50 And that escalated to three out of the four grandkids going. So they got to spend time with their cousin at camp and they got the experience of a Christian camp for them. So there's just... um, Weasel your way in. Don't give up, like, like boldly, right? Not, like, you know what I mean? Like, you have to be present. I have a phrase. It's show up. I show up. Like my grandkids that are over an hour away, when they have grandparent day, I show up. When they have um, the cow show, a cow show. If it's a 15-minute presentation, my grandson is in a play that he's like a wave in the water. Whatever, <laughs> I'm there. I show up, right? I show up and I show up and I show up. And until I'm ju- they see the love of Christ in me. They know that's why I love them, and why I show up is, um, plus, you know, they're so perfect, um, <laughs> wonderful. I mean, I'm sure your grandkids are good, too, but mine are perfect. Yes, Sandy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so homeschoolers got kicked out of the competitions um, in Ontario uh, fairly early in my homeschooling career, you know, like the spelling bees and the math competitions and that stuff because they are winning them all. And that doesn't look good on a public school system. All right, so those, um, the universities go to our conferences uh, to try and woo um, the students, it's been, the States is uh, often like 10 years ahead of us, so the uh, universities and the States have been doing that forever. Uh, here, more in the last 10 years. Did I see a question? Like qualifications? Yeah. Well, if they can read, you can homeschool.
1: I think part of it too is a lot of homeschool curriculum is developed by insanely smart people and they know that the average Joe is going to be teaching it, so they lay out the teacher's guide in a way that they can clearly articulate the curriculum to their children. And I think a lot of the times our Western world has made colleges, university, PhDs, doctorates the be-all end-all to be able to teach. But I can tell you I've learned more from people in my life who have the life experience and the passion for a subject, more so than someone who studied it for like fifty years and they're just reading off of a slide in a classroom. And it's hard because We've been growing up in a society that views you need to be educated to educate but just because someone doesn't have letters beside their name does not mean they're not capable because a lot of it comes down to your character and your ability to relay information because a lot of a lot of teachers and I'm I'm an ECE as well. I do ministry at Hope Bible Church in Oakville but I'm also an ECE so I do early childhood education and the majority of teachers up to grade 6 only have their high school diploma if that a lot of them get into ECE or teaching because it used to be kind of an easier thing to get into and they're just taught to they can do their one-year teaching certificate which is just how to teach a subject which is helpful but also there's YouTube courses and stuff as well where a um, a parent anyone can just watch something and learn how to do that so it's not so much about on paper qualifications i would say as much as a character qualification
2: and not to say that homeschooling moms have great character every day okay no. <laughs> yeah there's a
1: question over there
2: there was a few times that maddie would say to me mom have you done your morning devotions yet because <laughs> i like you a lot more after you've done them <laughs> mm-hmm. sorry yeah,
3: first I'd like to... A teacher for many years in public school and Christian uh, school, private school, uh, but we've also done homeschooling for about 12 years and we started in 1991, so we were kind of like the first.
2: <laughs> Thank the you, first. Mm-hmm. I appreciate <laughs> it. <Yeah. laughs>
3: but, uh, um, uh, and we had the same thing like, I really have to encourage my wife Marioca to, you know, you can do this, like, if, if this is not, uh, and actually, it was very good. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Made history and geography, so she grew together with the children, and uh, it went very well. Like, uh, when the children were into high school, you know, I kind of did the math and the science. But what's also true is uh, because, you know, uh, we were family, communication went much easier and quicker. Like, uh, you know, I was sometimes, like, amazed. Like. The school where I was teaching, you know, to explain something would take me kind of 20 minutes and then I'd still have to go around and give individual instruction because they had been too much distracted. And at home I could do it in 5 or 10 minutes and say, you get it, like any questions, and off they went. Mm-hmm. And it was much more effective teaching because we had the same background of knowledge and experiences and so mm-hmm. And uh, so yeah, I would really encourage, but uh, I also question that because uh, when we were in China, actually, I was uh, encouraging uh, Chinese parents to do it in, in small groups, like four or five families, mm-hmm, because uh, what you did mention, which is an obstacle for a lot of families, like, you know, uh, they were used to having double income families, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, one of them is full-time teacher at home, and that's mm-hmm. a big expense for a lot of families. And my idea was, like, if you have, a, a, a you know, there's most families that are, you know have only one or two ch- children mm-hmm. and if you do it as a group and you say you know we've got four families five families and we do like mondays to go to that place mm-hmm. and so, so people get part-time jobs and they can still work together and, most, and have you, do you have any experience with that? have you seen that or well, what do you think about
1: that yeah so she in uh, my mom we in the homeschool community we call it like a co-op um, is we just gather as many families are interested or until you want to cap it off or grab a close friend or two, and you work through the curriculum together because then you have the social time to if, say, my mom's like, I'm not super understanding how to teach it, mom number two can step in and be like, oh, I understand this, I can do it. And also, um, what I wanted to add to your question, too, is sometimes when there's a subject that a parent doesn't know, You can hire on someone who does know it. Homeschooling doesn't have to be only mom can ever say anything, lest it's of the devil. That's not how it is. Like, my chemistry teacher, we hired... um, I think she worked at Redeemer University or... I took it at Redeemer University in high school, actually. I took chemistry there. Like, you can hire people who are trained and equipped in the areas where you don't understand. And what we would do is, on um, Thursdays, there was a group of about 75 families would get together and hire teachers for a couple classes in the morning and in the afternoon. So those were the classes sometimes that mom didn't want to teach so much. Whether it be chemistry, drama, or things like that, we would collectively hire on someone to teach it. So we almost had, like, school for a day. We would start the day off with devotions and prayer, we would go to our class, we would have another class, lunch, class, and then you get to go home. Mm-hmm. So there's a the social aspect, there's the aspect of also taking some of that weight off of mom to do all of the coursework, but also if there are any courses that she wasn't comfortable teaching, there was an opportunity to bring someone in for that.
2: I would just warn that um, our experience was that you have to vet the teachers very very well. Yes, my uh, daughter who's homeschooling now She had a very negative experience in the co-op that they've just signed up for um, Because the teacher wasn't vetted well on her own theology. So um, Yeah <laughs> Andy, did you have another question? I did, uh, a to your <laughs> That's okay <laughs> I know two moms, um, well, actually, I know their sons that were homeschooled while their mom worked as a cleaning lady. Um, She would take her son with her to each house and have him sit at the kitchen table and instruct him, then go clean a bathroom and come back. Like, she made it work. Um, uh, One of them is actually Steph's brother-in-law now, Jesse. Uh, and he has a very successful um, business. Um, there, there is an, all op- an option always to homeschool. I cannot think of an obstacle that would prevent it. Right now, I'm a support worker. Uh, I do private support work and so my client um, li- son lives next door and they have a three-and-a-half-year-old that they plan on homeschooling. They're not Christian. And I always say, (laughs) God didn't put me in this house to um, just look after the physical needs, all right? Uh, They'll be, they just haven't come to Christ yet. Uh, So over the course of months, I'm sort of um, witnessing to this client's wife, actually. And uh, so a month or two ago, she starts asking about stuff for her granddaughter that they want to homeschool. And I give her websites and stuff like that. And then eventually she asked me for a children's Bible. And uh, she tried to get into the Awanas program near us. right? So this is, they don't have any, like this family isn't Christian yet, right? Um, So the grandmother plans on taking over Taking up the bulk of this homeschooling, she's uh, uh, 75, not in the greatest of health, but she is very determined to to do all that she can to help this family. And so she has me sharing like that um, book, one hundred teach your child to read, and one hundred easy lessons and stuff like that. Like, okay, say so take a curriculum like that, you really read the scope of it, and then. It, the child puts their finger under the letter and sound it out and that stuff. And you could teach your grandchild to read. So when, uh, when uh, my, well, she's 20, almost 24 now, sometimes when she's being mouthy with me, I say, just remember, I'm the one that taught you to read. Like, you <laughs> wouldn't be able to be as smart as you are if it wasn't for me. I could have not done that. In the worst day of homeschooling, I would say is better than the best day in the public school system. If um, I had a friend who was uh, very ill, so she couldn't homeschool and she had a number of kids and I said, just read. Can you read, can you have them read? Read great literature, there are, there's um, a website called Ambleside Online. We homeschooled classically, so very, the best of literature, the best of art, composers and things like that. And uh, so she did this for months and months and uh, the kids tested higher than they had ever tested before at the end of the month uh, of this season and all did she do is read and read and read, right? Of course, the kids are playing board games and they're doing that. Anybody play cribbage? Any cribbage players here? What a great way to learn math, right? I I don't know how many board games we own. Too many. (laughs) Too many. Um, Homeschoolers can be very competitive too. (laughs) Um. Like so, learning doesn't just happen like when you're sitting at the kitchen table with a book, right? It happens the way like anything that you want to learn. You find a way to learn it, right? Like uh, I'm sure that there's been times in your life where you wanted to learn something and you sought out people that could teach you to learn or, or now we call it YouTube your university, right? It's forever like we couldn't figure out how to get this stupid thing off the drain of the tub and my husband went on YouTube and figured it out, right? Um, there's a way of learning anything and uh, it can be done online, in-book. You know that your library card gets you into museums and, and that too, right? The, and there's no fines on library books. So there's a lots of uh, programs within the library, within the recreation system. We had... Uh, we did gym there. I wanted to say one of the b- best co-ops we had is uh, a woman's Bible study at a church that we did not attend opened up the church to the homeschoolers. If the moms would attend the Bible study, they could use the classrooms. So for many years, uh, I attended the Bible study with the women, and my kids were in the co-op downstairs. So we hired um, art teachers, music teachers, French teachers.
1: History teachers. We did a study on C.S. Lewis before, classic literature. Really just whoever you felt like hiring to teach us. Yeah,
2: like so, um, yeah, anything that was of interest to the parents, we paid the teachers well. We thought that was well. And um, uh, some of them were like professors from Redeemer or whatever. There are actually a lot of homeschoolers who the wife is, was a teacher or the husband was a teacher or a professor or something like that. There, you'd be surprised. We, all <laughs> we do have a joke that it's either teacher, engineer or entrepreneur, like a business person, describes quite a bit of the homeschooling parents. Oh, God bless you. And most educators thought that it was just a rebellion against the school system. It was. yeah mm-hmm. so what the average what uh, we say would happen is count to half an hour per year would be your guideline, so if you have a child that's in grade three in ninety minutes, they could be done their homework, which leaves the rest of the day to do chores <laughs> um, you know for your for uh, getting together with others. for Our kids kept nature journals. Or did we we um, at one point lived with a creek behind us and endless hours spent down at the creek. We had weekly um, uh, park days and weekly hike days. Uh, so those were sort of built in. Plus they had co-op. So it was busy. Um, we had family time that we served together. Um, so, there, there, there's much more support than there was, and I do appreciate those that went before us. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it prepared for a, a way for my grandchildren to be homeschooled, and I'm so grateful that they're not um, what, in the school system right now. Mm-hmm. My, one of our pastor's child is in school, and I think this is the second year that there's a child, in, the same child, who thinks he's a, a T-Rex. So he comes to school dressed as a T-Rex. I know, I shake my head too. Like, it's a world that um, is dictated by feelings now. You're feel, what you feel, right? And the Bible tells us that our heart is deceitful. So why are we teaching our children to listen to their heart? If you feel like a girl, then you're a girl. If you feel like a boy, you're a boy. And at the same time, there's no boy toys and there's no girl toys. So I don't know what defines a boy or a girl, but their feelings. And if you're a cat or a dog, I guess there's schools with litter boxes in it now. At this, I know, but it's true. And we think, oh, this is happening in the States. It's happening here in Southern Ontario within kilometers of where we stand right now. Um, so if, you're, if your family, your loved ones are in the public school system, I urge you just to be bold and get in, infused in their life in a positive way um, without um, ca- causing anarchy, right? Still, we want to emulate the love of Christ. I think all that more important actually children with special needs like autism or just challenges
1: would I be able to speak to that mom just mm-hmm. with, so I'm in ECE and when you take a look at our school system in Canada we have greatly greatly failed those in our disability and special needs communities we have billions left over in our budget Yet the kids are being excluded from their schools on the daily because they don't have the supports or the teachers call them too much or there's just there's a lot there for why we have failed them Um, but in the homeschool community one thing I often uh, think about is we had children in the homeschool community we had deaf kids we had kids on the autism spectrum cerebral palsy everywhere and part of being homeschooled you do life together as a family So one of the girls, um, she was uh, deaf and mute, but she knew American Sign Language. So then mom took us home. She made an American Sign Language board and then every day we'd practice a bit so we can communicate with her. And yes, that doesn't fix the issues, but it helps her feel a sense of, I I sure hope and I pray that it helped her feel a sense of belonging that we would want to uh, be with her. But I think um, for a lot of kids, who have disabilities, who are on any kind of spectrum. The child-to-teacher ratios in schools are ridiculous. Like, they're 30 kids for one teacher, you're not going to know their individual needs, and you shouldn't be expected to know everything about every disability, one teacher, 30 kids, not cool. But when you're side-by-side, side, you're gonna know how to address your child's needs, and you're gonna be able to identify things a lot sooner than a teacher would be able to. I think back to like even my own story, counting was for some reason far too hard for me. I didn't understand it. We tried all the things, but then one day it was like, my mom was like, feel this, this is one. Okay, feel this, this is two. This is what 10 feels like. And then it clicked in my brain. If I was in the school system, they would just be like, ah, oh, she's failing her math sheets, like what's going on? And so there are supports. Um, within the homeschooling community for children uh, with disabilities and special needs. And I'm sure it's not perfect because there's a long way to go in terms of understanding and um, acknowledgement and awareness of things. Um, But what about no better advocate for your child's education than a parent who, the parent of that child. Um, And it might take some engineering and some groundbreaking to get the ball rolling on that. I mean, I've been out of the homeschool community for five or six years now, so I don't know what that's like currently, but back in our experiences, you, you still did life together as a family, um, no matter who had what. It really didn't matter and you just, you loved everybody and you met them where they're at regardless of their needs, uh, whether it be different than mine or yours or whoever's. Um, yeah, I don't know if that helped answer at all. It. I just remember
0: um, when our daughter went to the school and, uh, and she came home and she told us, this is
3: for our people. Mm-hmm. And we had, we had tried, we, we
1: were learning sign language, but a um, deaf child learns differently. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: It is a culture. The Deaf community has its own culture.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I think it even goes back to um, what Pastor Chris was saying earlier. It's like you're responsible for your child's spiritual walk before the Lord whether it be they in the public school system, private Christian or whatever, but the beauty of homeschooling is you can see where your child's needs are and if you see it's not being met through homeschool and that she needs that sense of community and to feel like she has a place in this world where she can communicate without barriers, glory to God for that, because He's sovereign in those things. Homeschooling is not the be all end all. I mean, I like to think it is at times, and I strongly, strongly advocate for it, but if it doesn't work for your family, There are other ways that still give God glory because before the Lord, you're responsible for their spiritual walk and that all that matters. So if she was able to find that community and get a sense of who she was and she loves the Lord, praise God. Whether you're homeschooled, you go to public school
2: or Some people do actually a blend. Like we know families that had their kids go to school half a days for particular courses. And uh, homeschooled the other days, yeah. or other half. Okay, we've run over time. That's okay. I have another engagement <laughs> right from here. Thank you.